0: holiday ah feel the whoa with Listerine at BJ's you can save two dollars and fifty cents now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine discount available through December 24th save now only at BJ's
1: Insights were taken over. Of faith, you got it, Dallas. Let's, let's say this together, everybody. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest Church. I'm in my year of acceleration, accelerated progress, accelerated faith. This year, all I do is win. In Jesus' name, Selah. Selah is Amen's cousin, which means God, you said it. I believe it. That settles it. Go to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, verse number 18. We're going to look at one verse today. And, uh, and since it's uh, snowing outside and it's cold, we're going to make sure that the fire is hot in here. Yeah. Somebody say, I'm ready to receive. Ready to receive. Uh, heaven responds when you press through. Heaven responds when you push through. And so never think that your press is in vain. Never think that your push is in vain. Because when heaven sees that, heaven responds in kind. So the same level of effort you use to push, heaven will use to bless. I'm going to say it again. The same level of effort you used to press and you used to push, heaven will use to bless. Which means for many of us, heaven is about to go out of its way to do something significant. Why? Because you've been pressing through a whole lot of hell, a whole lot of drama, a whole lot of issues. And heaven says, we didn't let you go through that for nothing. Somebody say, I'm expecting today. Numbers chapter 14, verse number 18, it says this. The Lord is long-suffering. That means he's patient. And he's abundant in mercy. Mercy is when God blocks negative things from happening to you that you do deserve. Then, Not only is he patient, not only is he merciful, but the Bible says he forgives iniquity. Say iniquity. I'm going to explain that word to you in a minute. And transgression. Say transgression. He says he's forgiving, he's patient, and he's merciful. But look at this. But he by no means clears the guilty. In other words, once something is set in motion, it has to run its course. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father, say previous generations, on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, your neighbor may be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, but here's what you need to know. They're dealing with upwards of 400 years of generational history. Okay, okay 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 i'm gonna say that again uh, your neighbor i don't care how old they are chronologically uh, spiritually they're dealing with 400 up to 400 years of baggage up to 400 years of issues that often affect how they live today but watch this because they press their way in here today and they press pressed the way to get this word today there's some stuff that happened to them in their childhood that somebody holler this it's gonna be broken today no, you didn't say it like you mean it. Say it's going to be broken today father i decrease now that you would increase speak to us with power speak to us with clarity that we would move and walk in those things that you have ordained anoint this word afresh thank you that it would fall on the ears of those that aren't just hearers but they are doers of the word today stir up your spirit in this place in a supernaturally significant way that we would not fall down not fall backward but as we're in week seven of this series we continue to fall forward in jesus name somebody shout hallelujah you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are now in week seven of this life-giving message series called Fall 4 to learn from the Bible how to maximize failure, mistakes, and disappointment so we can make the decision not to fall down. Somebody say, no falling down. And not to fall backward. Somebody say, no falling backward." Uh, but to fall forward. Because Proverbs 24, 16 says this, you should know it by now. We've been looking at it for seven weeks straight. For a righteous man, who that is? That's us. The Bible says in Romans that we are made the righteousness of God, which means when God looks at you, he does not see our failures, our mistakes, our issues. He looks at us and he sees himself. And the Bible says he cannot deny himself. How does he see himself when he sees me, Bishop? Because he made a choice when he hung on Calvary 2,000 years ago to give us righteousness as a free gift which means here's what he did he exchanged the life we should have for the life that he had so that we would be able to live and victory as if we never did anything wrong in the first place here's the beauty of christianity it's not that i am watch this having to repay my sins because the truth is that the only payment that would be acceptable would be death the wages of sin is death, but God is so awesome that he says, I'm going to give you my life in exchange for the death that you deserve, and so I'm not going to handle you as your sins deserve, which means stop beating yourself up because you made some mistakes and you had some failures, because when Jesus looks at you, he says, what you're crying for? I gave you my life so you can have life and life more abundantly, which means you may have done everything that people said you did, but you are not who they say you are. Why? Because heaven looks at you and says, you're right Lay your hands on yourself and say "You're you're righteous so a righteous man may fall seven times that's us and he shall rise again it's interesting because proverbs essentially is prophesying your fall but it's also prophesying your rise. In other words, heaven is not shocked that you failed. Heaven's not shocked that you ran. Heaven's not shocked that you made a bad decision. Heaven's not shocked that you lied. Heaven's not shocked that you stole. Heaven's not shocked. What the honest people, are. that you cheated. Heaven's not shocked that you made bad relationship decisions. Heaven's not shocked that you made bad financial decisions. It prophesied. I feel like preaching today. It prophesied that you're going to fall and you may fall seven times. What is seven in the scripture? It is the number of completion. In other words, you're going to keep falling until you, get it right but touch your neighbor say he prophesied it in advance which means stop thinking your life is over because you fail. Your life is not over. You just got yourself a brand new beginning. Stop thinking that your days, your best days are behind you. And they're not ahead of you. I'm mean going to tell you, they're not just ahead of you, but they are here and they are now. The Bible prophesied that you were going to mess some stuff up. But it also prophesied you'd get back up. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but if it's you, just holler, I'm getting back up. I'm getting... Yeah, there's certain areas in your life you can be standing and other areas where simultaneously you can be on the floor in the middle of a valley. When I came to speak life into somebody's life, you're getting back up again. Somebody holler, I'm getting, I'm getting back up. Yeah, maybe your finances took a hit. You're getting back up. Maybe your relationship took a hit. You're getting back up. Maybe your self-esteem took a hit, but you're getting back up. Maybe you had to find out you had a Judas on your team, but you are getting back Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so. And last Sunday's message, we learned that sometimes we fail because some things need to be pruned. And oh, my God, wasn't last week a great week of pruning. If you didn't know some stuff got cut, some stuff got cut. Check check it out. Please understand this. To prune means to cut away dead or overgrown branches to increase fruitfulness or growth. And pruning has a purpose because God's math is different than ours. Whenever God subtracts, it's because he's about to add. But whenever God subtracts lesser, he adds greater. God may subtract five because he wants to add 105. You missed what I just said. Whenever God subtracts, it is because he desires to add something better. He desires to add something bigger. So he subtracts lesser nouns. People, places, things... And ideas in order to add greater nouns because pruning is designed to produce more progress. And there's two ways we learned last week to prune. The first is to self prune, that's where you get to choose to do it. And the second is to sovereignly prune, that's where you're forced to prune. And whenever uh, there's sovereign pruning, which is when God does it, He pulls rank, He's like, Look, you wouldn't get rid of them, so I did. You wouldn't end it, so I did. You wouldn't shut it down, so I did. You wouldn't shut it off, so I did. You kept giving life to what needed to die, so I killed him. You kept trying to kill what I wanted to live, so I made it live. Whenever God wants to do it, he doesn't have to ask your permission. I'm going to say it again. And in fact, uh, here's what I learned about God. is God is so slick at doing it, he'll, he'll seemingly blindside you so that you just say, what in the world just happened? And before you know it, watch this, he cut it so quickly, you didn't even have time to bleed. I'm going to help somebody. There are certain things that God will do in your life where he does it so quickly and he does it so, uh, so wonderfully that you don't even have time to be emotional. And people will look over at you and say, how are you doing so good after what you went through? Well, he did it so quick, I didn't even feel the sting. He did it so quick, I didn't even feel the bite. Is there anybody in him that you can testify? There's some stuff that God has pruned out of your life that he did it so quick. You're amazed at yourself by how well you handled it. You're amazed at yourself by how well it went. Somebody say prune, Lord, prune, prune. Now, we learned, we learned, we learned that there were, uh, what needed to be pruned was easy as A, B, C, D. The first we learned last week was asinine attitudes. That was from Deuteronomy 22.10. It says, thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. And we asked this question, what if you were the ox and the ass was your attitude? What if you were working hard and stifling your own efforts because of your attitude? Your attitude is your settled way of thinking or feeling. So we learned that there were some attitudes we needed to prune last week. Say, cut it. it. There's some attitudes, watch this, that still need to be pruned. And what happens in life is that sometimes God will prune that so that you will prune this he will prune that so you will prune this he will handle that so you will handle this because God says maybe you'll catch on so that we don't have to keep going through this exercise week after week, month after month, year after year have you ever looked over your life and you're like it seems like this is repeating sometimes it seems like things are repeating because God says you just don't listen so because you don't listen I was trying to help you catch a clue and since you wouldn't catch a clue I just had to make it do what it do The bee that had to be pruned was bitterness. And I don't know about you, but here's the truth. Whenever I preach about bitterness, people always come up to me after church and say, Bishop, once you started preaching about bitterness, I didn't realize that I still had some bitterness. Bitterness is a trip because bitterness, bitterness is the residue of a painful, uh, uh, hurtful experience. And it really is the anger, the hurt, and the resent because of a real, check this out, or perceived bad experience or sense of unjust treatment. You can be bitter about something that didn't happen. You can be bitter about something that you perceived to happen. You, it, it didn't actually happen. Let me prove it to you. If you used to be a runner where every time you thought you were going to be rejected, you ran so that they could reject you, you rejected them. What's interesting is you have bitterness against somebody who never rejected you because in your mind you thought they might reject you. So you can have an attitude with them. You can be mad at them and, and you can be resentful. It happened 20 years ago and you're still talking about what you thought they were going to do but not what they actually did. Say bitterness has to go. A third thing we learned last week uh, that we had to prune was crazy confessions. So says Proverbs 6 and 2. Proverbs 6 and 2, again, Proverbs wisdom. Wisdom is so cool because you can be smart, not wise. It's a whole lot of smart folk that don't have any clue of wisdom. And and matter of fact, if you sit next to them, just look right at me so they won't know we're talking about them in the middle of church. Smart people know facts wise people know how the facts matter smart people know data wise people know what the data means oh, okay uh, wisdom is really a shortcut it, it is the appropriate application of the knowledge that you know so here's what proverb says here's what wisdom says because that's what proverb means wisdom 6 and 2. you are snared by the devil no you're snared by your mom and them no snared by your cousin them no you're snared by the snowstorm no Just because it decided to snow today, I'm just going to drive for half the day just because I can. It's a personal thing between me and snow. I hate the snow. It's a personal thing. I hate it. I just have a personal resentment against the snow. He's like, Bishop, you live in Denver. I know. That ain't got nothing to do with what I'm talking about, though. You are snared by the words of your what? Mouth. Look at me. You are seeing what you've been saying. Watch this even if you never vocalized it. You are seeing what you've been saying. What do you mean I'm seeing what I'm saying? There are certain things that never came out of your mouth, but you said them to yourself, so they affected how you acted. It affected how you acted. So because you had a conversation internally, it affected how you did this. It affected how you moved that. It affected how you put things there. There are certain conversations you have with yourself that you will say, well, it was okay because I only had the conversation with myself. But the Bible says you're snared by the words of your mouth. And so your mouth now is not just this mouth. Your mouth is this mouth. You're snared. Say snared. Snared. Here's what that word means. It means trapped. And check this out. Your mouth creates, watch this, your boundaries. Your mouth creates your obstacles. Have you ever been facing something and talked yourself out of overcoming it before you even tried to figure out how to overcome it? Y'all ain't going to talk to me. That's impossible to get done. That's too difficult to get done. I can't possibly figure that out. In other words, you're trapped. In other words, you have given yourself a trap because your mouth needs to be pruned. And I think there's some people today that that have been in this process of learning, wait a minute, let let me stop saying that. Let me stop confessing that. Let me stop thinking that. Not just what I vocalize out of my mouth, but the conversations that I have on the inside of me. Somebody say, I'm snared by my own words. Snared by my own words. It says, you are taken by the words of your mouth. That word taken there, watch this, it means you're literally taken down. By what? Your words. Notice, the devil didn't do that. Uh, uh, Bishop, why are my words so powerful? Because you and I are in the image and the likeness of God. So what the Bible says. What is God? A speaking spirit. In Genesis he says, let us make man in our image and let him have dominion. Image there and likeness is this, one of the Hebrew words there is teshalom. Which means, in other words, you are a duplication of the nature of God. Which means when you speak, how did God create everything in Genesis? He spoke it. God didn't come and plant one tree, He spoke a seed. God did not fashion one animal. He thought it, then He spoke it, and it appeared what He thought because he spoke what he thought check it out so because you and i are in the image and in the likeness of god every time we speak heaven responds watch this as if it is god himself speaking because the scripture says in psalms that the angels hearken unto the word of his voice in other words when you speak they can't tell the difference between you and god so when you start speaking crazy stuff you will take yourself down because of your own words but when you start speaking life You can speak life into your own life. Stop saying, Bishop, I don't have nobody to encourage me. Encourage yourself. Stop saying, I don't have anybody to believe in me. Believe in yourself. You are snared by your own words. And finally, the D was distractions. We learned A, B, C, D. These were things we had to prune, distractions. And and I said this to you last week, that delayed pruning creates distractions that cause delay. Things that we delay in cutting or pruning create distractions. That caused delay, and I told you uh, last week about how uh, you know at one point I used to tell I had myself calling myself having a green thumb, and uh, so I had all these. I was trying to create this tropical getaway in my home for days like today, so that if it's twenty degrees outside, I could just stay in the house, put the heat right up under Hades, and 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 turn the shower on and let it steam, and I just had my little tropical paradise. So I had all these palm trees and all that in my home. And the issue is, is, is that uh, the parts of the plant would die. And what I would do is it would turn brown, so I knew it was dying. But what I would do is I would delay in pruning it because something in me said, well, that part might come back to life. Watch this, because if I cut that part, it's gonna look weird. In other words, I didn't prune because I had pride. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Sometimes there are things we do not prune, we do not cut, we do not deal with because we are so afraid of what it might look like to this one, that one, and the other not realizing that delayed pruning creates distractions that create delay. I was so concerned on what the plant would have looked like it didn't even matter to me that the plant was dying from the inside out because there were things I would not prune. Somebody say, Lord, help me not to delay what needs to be pruned. That's why Psalm 119.60 says, I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. He said, I did it quickly. In other words, I can't move slow because heaven moves at my pace. What if it didn't take God 20 years for you to get it done? But you take too long to cut stuff because you want to pray about it, fast about it, think about it. There's some stuff you don't pray about. You don't pray about an instruction. You follow it. You don't pray about a directive, you follow it. You don't pray about thus says the Lord, you just follow it. When God moves, we move just like that. I'm going to say it again. When God moves, we move just like that. So that was last Sunday. In today's message, i want to ask you this question. How many of our failures, mistakes, and disappointments, watch this, were caused because of unhealed childhood scars? Now let, let's let's open this up. A scar is a mark left where a wound, burn, or sore has not healed completely. Check this out. While we see these physically, what about the scars that affected our soul? So you can look on somebody's body, on their arm, on their hands, on their legs. And you can see scars. It is a place where it did not heal completely and properly. And so a fibrous tissue now uh, conjoined itself together. And so an individual has a scar, which means there's a deformity in the skin. And so you can feel the deformity because it did not heal the way it was supposed to. And so somebody carries that the rest of their life. We can see those physically. What about the scars that affect our souls? That's our minds, thoughts, will, and emotions because those scars aren't always easily seen. Somebody say scars. Now, I know what most people are thinking. Bishop, I'm good. I'm 40 years old. I'm good. I'm 60 years old. I'm good. I'm 21 years old. I'm good. Watch this. Or now, I'm 13 years old. Bishop, I'm fine. But I was watching this show last week called My 600 Pound Life. Touch your neighbor and say, we're about to go to work. Since it's snow and I'm going to preach extra hard. I was watching this show last week called My 600 pounds Life. It was about a woman uh, whose father was an alcoholic that beat uh, her mother. And the mother then beat the daughter. And the daughter was being molested by the babysitter. So she turned to food, watch this, for comfort and safety. As a child, she learned how to cope with what she was dealing with by eating because food was the only thing that didn't hurt her. Food was the only thing that did not abuse her. Food was the only thing that did not throw her issues in her face, if you will. And so when she's 20 years old, she becomes pregnant and she gets kicked out of her home by the mother that beat her. And the mother beat her because the mother was beat by her husband, which come to find out it was generational. Everybody in the bloodline was in relationships like that. Are you still here? So, watch this, she's pregnant at 20, she's kicked out of her home, then her second baby dies on the inside of her, so what does she turn to? Food, why? Comfort and safety. After that pregnancy, she has two more rough pregnancies that cause her to stay in bed. Isn't it interesting that she's trying to give birth to something, and while she's trying to give birth to something, she's bedridden. Sometimes it's interesting because you can be making progress and not look like you're making progress because you're still stuck in the same position and predicament that you were before. Now realizing, even though I'm in this predicament, there's something purposeful coming up under me. After that, she has two pregnancies. She calls her to stay in bed, and she, eats, and she eats and she eats and she eats and she eats and she eats. And at age 38, here she is, bedridden, 600 pounds. She's she's. She's 600 pounds. Her, her, her story was this, and I never really watched the show. I'd seen the title on, you know, the, the, the um, TV guy. I never watched the show. When I watched the show, I was getting ready to turn the channel, and then I was so intrigued because what was interesting is all of her weight, watch this, she carried it in her legs. So she watched this. She couldn't get to where she wanted to get. Watch this, because her scars wouldn't let her go very far. (laughs) Somebody's going to catch her. See, you may be great physically, but not realize in the realm of your soul, your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions, you're not that much further than you were when you were 12. Because she carried all of this weight in her legs. And so literally, she got married again because she discovered that her first husband was cheating on her. And so she divorces that husband. She gets married again. She meets this husband, and he now spends his life taking care of her. And what's interesting is he says he's really enabling her, but he doesn't know how to do anything different. So so, so he has to help her. Watch this. Touch your name and say, Bishop's going somewhere. He has to help her take one leg and put it out of the bed because she can't move her own legs. And while it may be easy for us to look at that and say, wow, that's crazy, I want to ask how many of us are that way in our minds? thoughts will and emotions i think about it you went through a whole breakdown just to decide whether or not you were gonna come to church i'm talking to somebody you you went through a whole lot of emotional turmoil just to decide if you were gonna lift your hands and give god praise so her husband her husband her husband has to lift one leg out then has to lift another leg out and then she gets to the side of the bed and she says it takes so much out of her just to get from her bed to her bathroom that she doesn't even shower every day anymore. She says she showers every other day because she's so tired by the time she showers, that she has no energy. Her body had begun uh, to uh, uh, develop an issue with her lymph nodes so that on the uh, outside of her skin there were sores and there were marks that were there and she was scarred up as a 40 now something year old woman. Watch this. But those scars didn't start when she was 40. Those scars didn't start when she was 30. Those scars didn't when she was 20. Those scars started the first time her mama slapped her, not because she did something wrong, but because her husband had done something wrong and the mother took her anger and fury out on her. I came today to dig up your childhood scars because there are some areas in your past that have not been healed that are hampering the way you live today, that are hindering the way you live today. But I think there's some people that are in this place today. Somebody say, I'm getting free today. today. See, check this out. Everybody sees the woman's scars. It's on television. Millions of people are watching and looking at her scars, but nobody knew about the wound that created the scar. Isn't it interesting that we can look at folks that make crazy decisions and say, that's crazy, but we never look at the wounds that produce the uh, 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 hysteria in the decisions that they make. And so scars keep you from going far because scars keep you where you are. Scars keep you from going far because scars keep you where you are. I want to read something to you. Can I read something to you? I'm going to read it anyway. I got the mic. Psalm 51 5, the King James Version of the scripture. I want you to see what the psalmist says. Say childhood scars. Talk to me, y'all. Say childhood scars. Now, don't get quiet because we're doing some digging. You got to work so so, so you can see some results. Psalm 51 5, King James Version. It says, behold... I was shapen or shaped in iniquity. You remember that from Numbers? He forgives iniquity and transgression. By no means clears the guilty. And in sin, my mother did conceive me. How does the psalmist say he was shaped in iniquity? Mm -hmm. Three primary forms of sin in the Bible. The first is sin. That means to miss the mark. Second is transgression. That means to willfully deviate from what you know to be correct. So here's transgression. Don't touch the towel. Here's transgression. Here's here's sin. Here's sin. Here's sin. I didn't know not to touch the towel. I touched the towel. That's a mistake. Here's sin. Here's sin. When I reached to grab for that, I didn't realize the towel was under that. That's a mistake. Transgression is, don't touch the towel. I heard what you said, but I'm grown. I know you're God, but I've been through some things. But then there's this other word. Say this other one. It is iniquity. And in iniquity is generational sin that is passed down. Notice in Numbers, here's what it says, fourteen, eighteen. The Lord is patient and merciful, forgiving. Forgiving generational sin that's passed down. And he even forgives when you willfully deviate. But what he doesn't do is clear, watch this, the stuff that's passed down and the stuff that's passed around. Why is that important, Bishop, to know that he does not clear it? It's important to know that he does not clear it because check this out, check this out. We are all shaped in environments of iniquity. That's what happened to this woman. See, since childhood, we have all been shaped in environments of iniquity, which is when generational dysfunction is practiced. And we practice, watch this, what we're presented. And practice makes perfect, even if it's perfectly wrong. I'm going to say it again. Practice makes perfect, even if it's perfectly wrong. So if you grew up and you never saw men take responsibility for anything... You will practice that and think there's nothing wrong with that because you are perfectly scarred. If you never if you never saw people give their lives to Jesus, and I was talking to some pastors the other day and we were talking even about the concept of spiritual fathering and all of that and we were talking about how it's so much different in the south and I said you know they have to introduce the concept in the south they're looking for spiritual fathers they're looking for men of God to pour into them and I said that ain't the hand I've been dealt here <laughs> I said the hand I've been dealt here is that that ain't been the hand I've been dealt here and what was significant about it what was interesting about it is that we were talking about how certain things are passed down certain things are scarred certain things are iniquitous they're generational listen to this our communication the way you talk the way you speak the way you write the way you don't talk The way you don't speak, the way you don't write, the way you hold everything in, and then one day you go Ned Flanders on everybody and snap, crackle, and pop. You go from highly, deedly, old to some other words. Watch this. Our spirituality. Please understand, for many folks in Denver, you were not raised to go to church. You were raised on Sunday morning to go have brunch before going to the slopes, A right, pastor asked me pastor asked me the other day, he said, Bishop, when do you want to go on a skiing trip? I said, I don't. <laughs> Nothing against anybody that does. He said, well, we can just drink hot chocolate. And I said, that's right. We can say we went on a trip, but I'm not interested necessarily in going skiing. It's enough natural ways to go. I'm not interested in adding additional ways. It's not my particular thing. You do you, I'll do me. Uh, watch this. So if you were not raised to do that, When you break rank from your family and start coming to church and giving and serving and all of that, they'll look at you like, what are you doing? You're doing something crazy because that's not how we're raised. That's not our environment. You go to church, you go every Sunday and you serve. What is serving? You a leader? What do you mean lead? Don't y'all just come on Sunday, sing some songs, and all that, and go? What? What is the world is all of that? What y'all meeting for? What kind of meetings did you have? Why are y'all talking? Why you got a rehearsal? What you rehearsing for? Shouldn't you just be able to wake up on Sunday and sing a joyful, no- make a joyful noise until the Lord? You wouldn't go to no concert and listen. To somebody I ain't practice. But our spirituality is shaped by, 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 by these childhood environments and their environments of iniquity. It's stuff that's passed down, stuff that's passed around. Our ideologies, our view of order, our view of honor. See, if you, if you saw order in the household and honor in the household, it's not weird to you. If you didn't see it, anytime anybody is honored, you're like, I ain't doing all that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing all that. I, I, ain't, I ain't doing all of that. I, I'm not a brown noser. Which is why nobody knows how long you'll be employed because you think that to honor is to suck up. It's quiet in the church. Our mentalities, our proclivities, our money management, our approach to possibilities, our self-image. All of these things are shaped, watch this, by scars that are passed around and passed down to us. And that has a name and the name of it is a generational curse. Passed down, it's passed around, but it's a scar that somebody gave to you. It's implanted to you because they created, watch this, a practice based off of a temporary pain. Let me say it another way. They created a permanent practice of life based off of a temporary pain in life. And so now your whole view, watch this, for some of you ladies, your whole view of men is based off of your mama's pain from when she was 19. So that's not been your experience. It's not been your experience that men are this, that, and the other. It's been your mom and them's experience. And so you took her scar and it's part of you. So now it's a generational curse. What's a curse? It's an empowerment to fail. It, do- it didn't work for them. Won't work for you. But it's all we know to do. But today. But today. I wish I had a church. today. somebody say, but today? A generational curse, here it is by definition, is a destructive pattern of behavior that's passed down from one generation to the next. Remember, the psalmist says, I'm shaped in iniquity. I'm shaped in generational junk that's been passed down. This made me to be like this. I think this way because of how I was shaped. I act this way because of how I was shaped. I treat people this way because of how I was shaped. I I speak this way because of how I was shaped. I I, I act this way because of how I was shaped I I don't talk because that's how I was shaped I wasn't shaped to talk I was shaped to hold it in and close the door and pretend like nothing was good I wasn't shaped this way is there anybody that can be honest watch this because here's the truth it doesn't mean listen to me that the people in your bloodline were intentionally evil Because most people will say this, or many people will say this, well, I don't necessarily know that there's any generational curses, Bishop, because I had a good mom, I had a good dad. This has got nothing to do with whether or not they were good, bad, indifferent, up, down, none of that. It has to do, watch this, you could have a great mother and a great father, and that does not change the fact that you were still shaped in generational dysfunction. (laughs) They could have loved you really good. And loved you into a horrible mentality. It's quiet in the church. Uh, Watch this. A generational curse. Listen to me. is a time-tested strategic attack against you. It's time-tested because it's had generations to perfect itself. It studied your daddy, his daddy, his daddy, his daddy. Studied your mama, her mama, her mama. Fathers in scripture there, the sins of the fathers, it means previous generations. It's been studying your bloodline, so it knew how to watch this evolve. It was like, okay, I can't use that part on them because they go to church now. The mama didn't. So what I got to do is have them sit there and get nothing, not because he's not saying anything, but because I need them to think nothing's wrong. So I'll put on blinders while they're sitting in church, and I'll put in things that will keep them from hearing while they're sitting in church because I have perfected this. This is a perfected thing that's been passed down from generation to generation. 90% of the issues you face are connected to the generations that have come before you. Now, watch this, watch this. I want to say this again. This doesn't mean that the people in your bloodline were intentionally evil, but they were most certainly scarred. And look at this. Let me prove it to you. Look at how you've made the most progress in your bloodline. I wish I had some honest folk in here. Isn't it amazing? If you look at your bloodline, you really are the furthest progression of your bloodline because every now and then I need to remind you of who you are. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. Somebody holler, I'm a curse breaker. I said, at church. Say, I'm a curse breaker. Now, watch this. Here's the next question. I know somebody's asking. I'm just about done. uh, Bishop, didn't Jesus take care of all curses? I heard somebody one time when I was preaching on this, because I'm very passionate about this, because this is something I live. I live this. This isn't something I just preach. This is something I live. This is something I live. I'm the first bishop in my bloodline, the first many others in my bloodline. And when you're the first, watch this, you will think something is wrong. Because you have no point of reference. Y'all not saying nothing to me. You, you have no point of reference. And I'm so glad my mother raised me to be a curse-breaking man. And to be a curse-breaking young man. Why? Because it showed me that I'm not the one with the problem. Watch wow. this. Bishop, did, I heard somebody tell me, Bishop, I just don't believe in generational curses. I just believe Jesus took it all. And I said, look at your life. I said, I don't, let's, let's close the Bible. Because you don't even need to be talking to me about that. Because you clearly, that's, there's certain things you just shouldn't talk about when you don't know what you're talking about. Like if I was to go to the mechanic and, and try to tell him about, I don't know about all that. Here's what I'd know. The computer said, bring it to you. So if he says, no, 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 because some of y'all got friends who be trying to talk to you about the Bible, trying to educate you, because they can sat up on YouTube and watch some crazy lunatics on YouTube talking about something. And, and, oh, no, I just believe, I feel, I don't care. So please stop telling me stuff I don't care about. I just believe, I, I just believe. So I was like, forget the Bible. I said, look at your life. I said, doesn't your life prove the principle? I said, so let's not call it a generational curse since you don't believe in those. They believe in you, though. I said, they clearly believe in you. I said, because didn't you just ask the church for some money? I said, they clearly believe in you. And isn't this like everybody else in your, bl- I said, they believe in you. I said, aren't all your relationships basically what's love got to do with its equals? I said, clearly they believe in you. I said, but I'm not, I'm not trying to convince somebody that doesn't want to be convinced because I said, this is how the devil has you to see because he's got you thinking nothing's wrong. I said, if Jesus' love fixed all of that, then why is your life like that? See, God's love is free. Greatness has a fee. Check it out. Galatians three thirteen through 14. Here's what Jesus did. It teaches us that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law and the penalty of sin, which is death and damnation. You're supposed to kind of get like, you know, stuff in the old church, you say, damnation. damnation. People would kind of, <laughs> amen, say it, Bishop. <laughs> he redeemed us from the what? Curse of the law. Having become cursed for us, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So here's what Jesus did. Say what he did Bishop. he do, he, Bishop. He, he, watch this, he gave us and, and he became and he redeemed us from the curse of the law, which is the penalty of sin, and that's death and death. Damnation. But had Jesus stopped all curses, we wouldn't even have the power to sin because that in itself is a curse. We still have a choice in the matter. Jesus didn't take them away. Instead, he gave us power to choose better once we know better. While Jesus forgives the curses of the previous generations, they still live. Jesus gives us power over them, but it does not remove them. Because we have this thing we get called choice. You chose what you wore today. How many people this morning when you woke up, the Holy Ghost was pushing you to say, no, I'll go get this. You say, well, well, I, no, you heard a weather report. That's what you heard. He <laughs> didn't force you to do that. What are you trying to say, Bishop? Jesus gives us power over them but you can still choose to live in them. And for most people, that's a choice that's by default because nobody ever told them there was another choice. Say, but there is another choice. Say, there is a better way. See, I'm going to tell you, I don't care what's been in your bloodline. You're here now. I don't care what happened in your childhood. You're here now. I don't care who walked out on you and gave up on you. You are here now. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And all things are passed away. All things are made new. So here's how it works. I'm done. Here's how it works. Here's how it works. The sins. Say sins. When I use that word generically, it includes all three. Sin, that's mistakes. Then transgression, that's willful deviation. And then iniquity, that's generational sin. What did the psalmist say he was shaped in? Generational sin. He said, I'm shaped in this. Why was he a liar? Because his mama was. Why did he think it was okay to lie? He watched his mama do it. He was shaped like this. What if most of how you say this is me isn't you? What if most of what you say is me is actually somebody you've never met who was scarred. So they passed their scar down and passed their scar down and passed their scar down and passed their scar down. And And so now you say this is me, but this isn't me. This is us. Because it's a whole lot of things going on in there. Here's how it works. how does it work, Bishop? The sins of past generations of your bloodline. The Bible says they visit to the third and fourth generation. Say visit. Now, visit's an interesting word. It's a very interesting word. Because I would like the word if in Hebrew, that's the language of our Old Testament, it literally just meant visited. Here's the problem, even if that's all it meant is if somebody visits, they can leave stuff behind. You ever had somebody visit you? And, and, and when the visit was over, you were rejoicing? Watch this. But then you had to go behind them to get your stuff back to the way it was. Because you had already told them, just put stuff back the way that you found it. And then you look at it like, this is not the way that you found it. So let's just go and get you, go and get you to the airport. And, uh, uh, and I'm fa- I got it. I got it. we totally good. We're good. They left, watch this, their debris behind. Do you want to know what the word scar means in Swahili? Hence, it's use in the movie Lion King. Trash. Somebody can visit you and leave their trash. And who's got to clean it up? You. So you're left cleaning up stuff from generations before you. Say visits. The sins of your past bloodline, past generations of your bloodline, they visit to the third and fourth generations. Now here's the next thing. A generation in scripture wasn't just chronological. So you think mom, grandmom, who's next? Then, let's go ahead. After that, after like the first great, you just kind of just big mama. He just kind of just say, yeah, it's too many greats. I was trying to recollect the other day how many greats, and I said, I don't know. I just said, I just, great. there's some greats in there. Check this out. Check this out. But if generation one acts the same way as generation two, biblically, they're one generation. So you may not just be dealing with three to four uh, generations as you think chronologically. You may be dealing with hundreds of years of stuff, which explains some mentalities because they came. Oh, God. Some mentalities came from survival and struggle. Some mentalities came from slavery and, and oppression. Some mentalities came from abuse and neglect. And so now it has been carried for. And so really the truth be told, while you'll say that was seven generations ago, heaven says that's two. Because you were shaped by their scars. And all of you all think the same. Let me tell you, this isn't for you, this is for your neighbor. I'm just about done. Um, y'all still here? Uh, some of you, the challenge you have when you're around your bloodline is when you listen to how they think. This ain't for everybody, it's for somebody. Compared to how you think now, it is almost like going in a time war. I feel like preaching. Come on, let's ride, go i feel like preaching What's up? is almost like going in a time warp because you have moved so far ahead but they are still stuck in stuff that's generations ago they are still stuck in stuff that happened a long time ago they're still stuck in slave mentalities lack mentalities dishonor mentalities crazy mentalities i don't need god mentalities and you're saying well i don't know how you don't need god because i can't live without it I don't know how you don't worship him. I can't live without worshiping. I don't know how you do it without God. I can't even understand it. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I wouldn't even be here today. I don't get you. You don't get me because we're being reshaped. That's why you come to church so you can be reshaped. This is not just Jesus taking your existing shape. Give me something I can break. Ooh. Uh, I don't know. Y'all got to figure that one out. I'm going to give you some time. <laughs> and I don't even know. What you got? A pencil? Okay. I, I, I'll use that. I kind of had it in my mind like a glass with a hammer. This will work, though. Pencil. <laughs> I haven't seen a pencil in a long time. <laughs> Was it number two? <laughs> I don't like pencils because they don't make things permanent it's a psychological thing watch this here's what most people do when they come to church y'all see the pencil you see it you see it facebook see it see it youtube see it dallas this is a purple pencil that's watch this been shaped by somebody else's mold you got it Here's what most people do when they come to Jesus and you can't be this way because this is not what he died for. Here's what most people do when they come to Jesus. Let me have, uh, let me have some anointing oil. Jesus, thank you for your blood. It washes me. It can, now put some oil on it. Thank you. It washes me. It cleanses me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And Jesus is like, no you're just the same shape with blood on you when we come to church yes i want to know about his forgiveness yes i want to know about his love yes i want to know about his mercy but here's what else i want him to do break the shape that i was to make me in the shape that he wants me to be. And I just want to know, is there anybody in here that will say, Lord, I don't want to be how I was shaped. Make me over. Make me over. Make me nice. And when I'm done, oh, I want it to be right. Somebody shout, Lord, make me over. Because when he reshapes you, he can do something different with you. Are you getting this? You want to know what's most significant about that word visits somebody say come on tell us bishop that word visits is the same hebrew word used for pastor so look at numbers 14 18 and let's close it out numbers 14 18 says this the lord is patient and he's abundant in mercy, forgiving the scars you were shaped by and your crazy decisions. But he by no means clears the guilty. Watch this. He allows your curses to pastor you. Say visits. Here's how it works. When your curse sees you progressing, it schedules a trip. Oh, God. Because it knew, it knew you had learned too much to just go for the okie doke. It knew that. So what happened is you had to start making progress. You had to become something that nobody in your bloodline had been. And then the Bible says that the curse showed up to visit. So watch what it does. And if you're like me, if none of schedule visitors, I never heard it. Ain't nobody scheduled to come see me. I didn't hear nothing. You heard something? Neither did I. And I ain't being quiet in my own house. I didn't hear nothing. They want to see me, they schedule. And the curse shows up. And here's what happens. If you're not prepared when you open the door, check this out. Check this out. Check this. Shanda Kabasha. Check this out. Check this out. You two come here. You two come here. Both of y'all. All right. All right. Now, okay you 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 be outside the door. You be getting ready to open the door, okay? Now you know him, right? Check this out. So when you open the door and you see something familiar, <laughs> cuz you know him, so not Okay, you open it do- open the door. See what happened? She embraced what was about to kill her. She embraced what was about to take her out. She embraced what was about to take her down. The Bible says that the sins of the fathers passed her to the third and fourth generations, which means you look at it and you follow it. She embraced what came to visit. And it came to visit, watch this, just to drop off some trash. It just wanted to throw some trash in the house. And before you know it, you said sit down, get comfortable, make some coffee, but then it leaves you. So now you gotta clean up the scars and clean up the debris and clean up the trash. Can I can I drop a bomb on you? Say, drop it, Bishop. The truth is this: for many of you, you sit under this anointed teaching and you still see no significant progress because truth be told, I'm not really your pastor. Your curses are. But today but today somebody say i'm getting free from my childhood scars i dare you to just shake your neighbor's arm like you're gonna shake it off and say give us freedom give us freedom give us freedom give us freedom give us, freedom. Ah, give, us ah, give, ah, give us freedom watch, watch 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 say to break the curse talk to me y'all say to break the curse you need to see that scar so you can find that wound. Are y'all ready to do the work? Say, let's go to work, Bishop. Be here on Wednesday. I'm done. Stand to your feet. It says the scars of the previous generation's pastor. This is why people can come to church. I never got this. I even asked myself this question on Friday. I said, "How people said, listen to this." I didn't have this. When I was coming from church. It was full messages, and each week was basically a reiteration of them full messages. Just the truth. This is the truth. This is true. And I said, when I was getting this, I said, I, if I was getting this. I said, how can people hear it and not get it? He said, some because some of them need to resign from their former pastor called curses and scars. And they need to renounce that. The reason it's so difficult, the Bible says anointing flows from the head. Well, if there's, but if you're not connected to the head, because you got another head, which is a scar, which is a curse, creates all these issues. Everybody in here with your heads bowed and eyes closed. I want everybody to say this. Don't say this if you just want to repeat generational curses, but if that's not you, I want you to say this. Say, Father. Father. Say it like you mean it. Say, Father. Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Thank you for today's word. Today's. For today's word. It, doesn't it doesn't matter how it was shaped. I embrace how you are reshaping me. I, I, renounce I renounce every generational curse, every, generational every, curse. every scar, That's been introduced to me. I was shaped by scars. That's fueled some of my failure. But I make a decision today that that was then. This is now. Make me over. Reshape me so I can go forward, not backward, not down. In Jesus' name. I fired my old pastor of generational curses and scars. You've brought me to this place called harvest. And to this man of God Bishop Foreman so that the word can reshape me. Can make me fresh. Can make me new. And if I fall, I declare I'm falling forward. If I make a mistake, I declare I'm still pressing forward. I am the curse breaker. I am The interruption and it may feel different because i'm the first but somebody's got to do it and it is me it is me satan say it say satan i serve notice you've already thrown your best shot and you lost you failed you did not succeed and now you're gonna have hell to pay Because I'm going to be everything God has ordained for me to be starting this moment, starting right now. The grace of God covers me. The favor of God covers me. If I was far from you, I'm reconnected to you. If this is my first time praying this, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you came and died so I could have life and life more abundantly and because of that i'm saved in jesus name listen even in the snow can we give god a great praise here Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations.